Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to this holiday edition of Banfield. And since I know that you love a good mystery, I'm going to go ahead and assume you love a good puzzle, too. So, how about we start with a riddle? Uh, What do heartbroken lovers and fishermen and U.S. Marshals all have in common? Take your time. Go ahead, call a friend. Okay, I'm just going to give it to you. It's the one that got away. And as a crime show, I'm not going to talk about the fish or the lovers because the one that got away, for me, means an escapee a suspect or an inmate who made a break for it and then caused a giant manhunt, the kind that paralyzes a community or a county or an entire state, uh, paralyzes them with fear, and then sends the U.S. Marshals, the police, and the FBI scrambling to get tracking. And they somehow, these guys, they stay alive out there, no matter the elements. As the band Thin Lizzy once put it, tonight there's going to be a jailbreak. In fact, there's going to be several of them on this show. Uh, We're talking great escapes, the best of the bad guys, and what they did to get their ill-gotten freedom, however long uh, it lasted for them. And we know a thing or two about manhunts on this program. Um, They're bad news, period. Like, don't get me wrong, they're pretty good TV, but whether you are the one being hunted or if you're the one doing the hunting, it's like wall-to-wall danger and drama, and actually it's utter gut-wrenching desperation. Until until the jailbreaker's caught, or killed, or maybe even found dead. Because those three things, my friends, those are the only ways a manhunt ends in this country. The fugitives rarely, if ever, give up. And the hunters never do. Just ask Danilo Cavalcante, a five-foot-nothing, 120-pound bloodthirsty killer. That's a hard name to forget, Cavalcante. And uh, so are the 13 days of terror that he spawned after breaking out of a Pennsylvania prison. He had just, just been given his life sentence for murdering his ex-girlfriend. And apparently, um, that whole business about filing writs and, and appeals, that's not his thing. Parkour, however, is his thing, and he wasn't afraid to use it in the prison yard. Tonight, we're going to revisit his spider climb out of the lockup and escape worthy of a medal. And we're going to trace the hunt for Cavalcante with the former U.S. Marshal for whom all of this really does actually hit home. And I also want to take you back to that bizarro prison break in Georgia where four inmates literally carved their way through a wall at the Bibb County Jail while a paltry half dozen guards were trying somewhere else to watch over about 800 inmates. Half dozen of them. 
That doesn't usually work. Uh, one of those inmates, by the way, was a murder suspect, one on the upper left-hand corner of the quadrant. And I had a chance to speak exclusively with the daughter of his victim, uh, alleged victim. You're going to hear that interview tonight. And that desperation and the danger that I mentioned a minute ago, nowhere was that more heart-stopping than in the hunt for Gonzalo Lopez in May and June of last year. Um, Lopez was serving two life terms, one of them for killing a guy with a pickaxe. So that's the kind of guy he was. And somehow he managed to escape from the prison bus he was in in Texas, a prison bus that was manned by two guards. Lopez was on the run for three weeks before being killed in a shootout. But during that three weeks, he was so desperate and dangerous, he murdered five more people, a 66-year-old man and four of that man's grandchildren. I want to play you my interview with the couple who felt the same thing could have happened to them because they live in the same county. They even witnessed the escape, and they did not feel protected by the police. Before all of that, though, I can't do a show about escapes um, without mentioning a woman who's made quite a name for herself in that rogues gallery, Caitlin Armstrong. By the time she stood trial in Texas for the shooting death of a woman she was suspected of seeing her boyfriend, she'd been a fugitive twice over in two very different circumstances. You will remember that she slipped out of Austin, Texas, one step ahead of an arrest warrant in May of 2022. But she was tracked down more than 40 days later in Costa Rica, sporting a brand new nose and a brow lift. Among the things that were found in um, her possessions, a boarding pass with her sister's name on it and um, her sister's passport to match. And to be clear, her sister was not traveling with her. Agents also found three other names that she was using. And fast forward to October, locked up tight in the Travis County Jail, Armstrong was approved for an off-site doctor's visit in the company of deputies, of course. And uh, she took the opportunity to make a break for it again. But this attempt uh, to escape was more slapstick than cloak and dagger, complete with the Benny Hill jail stripes and less than coordinated guard who was giving chase. Uh, Let me play that moment again, because this was a moment for which Armstrong apparently spent weeks in training. It's the moment she saw freedom waiting just on the other side of that there fence. When she got her front row seat for opening statements in her trial just a few weeks later, though, the county made sure that she had plenty of official escorts. Reporters counted at least five guards that were around her. Now contrast all of that with the Cirque du Soleil-worthy climb up two prison walls by Danilo Cavalcante. For whatever reason, the guard on duty in the tower, who should have seen this happening and stopped it, did not do that. He lost his job because of it, and thousands of Pennsylvanians didn't get a good night's sleep for two weeks. 2022, right? Just last year. Cindy Berry decided she needed to get away. She needed to move somewhere safe, like Macon, Georgia, because she had been dealing with an abusive boyfriend for eight years. He was beating her up. At one point, put her in a chokehold. She went to a judge and said, I I need a protective order. I have got to get away or I am not going to survive. And so she got it. She got the protective order and she got away. She moved to a golf community, super quiet, peaceful, private golf community, got herself a nice house. She's got three kids. So you would think that she did all the right things and that she would be safe. And you would think wrong. Police tell us the boyfriend found her and decided that a shoelace would be the last thing she would feel as she was gasping for breath. She was strangled with a shoelace. 
left for dead in that beautiful, peaceful house that she had found as a refuge from that guy, Joey Fournier. He was 50 at the time. He took off like a bat out of hell and got a lot of help from his brother. Brother Jeffrey kept him hidden from the police for quite a while, but it didn't work. They caught him. They got him. They charged him. They jailed him. They put him away. They put the brother away, too, but eventually they worked those charges out. But Joey? No. He was up on murder. He was supposed to be actually facing trial for it shortly when police say, what do you know? Joey made out. He got out. He got three friends from inside the jail, and they devised a little plan, and they busted out, and they're on the lam, and it's been two full days. By 3 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time, so 3 a.m., you know, tomorrow morning, it will be two full days, 48 hours, that those four have been out circling amongst you all. Get a good look at the faces and know full well that if you're anywhere around Georgia, and I dare say 48 hours from there, be careful because they need a lot of stuff to stay safe and free. And you don't matter to them. All of them were awaiting trials. Joey for murder, for the shoelace murder of his girlfriend who was running for her life and never made it. The others, you know, no picnic either. Chavez Stokes, 29. Mark Anderson, 24. Jonifer Barwell, 37. They're up for a bunch of charges, too. Want to know what those charges are? Like I said, no picnic, but not murder. Drug trafficking, aggravated assault, gang membership, aggravated assault, and then, of course, Joey with the murder and the aggravated assault. So those four are out there. What really burns me, and I think it burns you too, is how they got out. Because it was like a broken window. <laughs> like, no joke. They got out through a broken window. <laughs> and then somebody just cut a hole in the fence outside and then had the waiting car. Who? Don't know. They got it on video. They got the car on video. They got the car driver likely being the one that cut the hole in the fence. Damaged second floor window cut in the perimeter fence picked up by driver in a blue Dodge Challenger. Look at that, seen that car anywhere? Keep a good lookout for it. They may still have it. Maybe they've ditched it. Maybe they've stolen yours or are about to. Here's the thing, ABC News was told by the sheriff that there were only like fewer than 10 people working at that jail when that escape happened. Uh, there are 800 inmates, so fewer than 10 people regarding 800 inmates. And normal is about 30 people. About 30 people were supposed to be guarding 800 inmates. ABC News has learned only 10 were doing the job that night. Clearly, not enough, right? Because four of them got out. One of them's an accused murderer. FBI, US Marshals, Fugitive Task Force, everybody is looking for these four. The Bibb County schools were placed on lockdown. Of course, they're kids, and those guys are out there. Communities on edge. Cynthia Berry, the murder victim who died with the shoelace, her daughter says she's having to relive horrible memories. Her name is Brianna Berry, and she's kind enough to join me live right now. Brianna, I am so sorry that we are meeting under these circumstances. Um, it, it's hard to believe what you've been through already, having to face the upcoming trial of the man who's accused of murdering your mother.
but now to know that he is out. How are you processing this news, and how did you find out, Brianna? Um, I'm still having a hard time processing all of it. It's a lot. Um, I found out from my sister um, in the morning whenever it happened. Are you concerned at all, Brianna, that he may come for you or your siblings? Um, not at all. I think he's really just worried about escaping and being free. What should we know about him? You lived with him um, and your mom for two years. There might be no one better to ask what this man, Joey Fournier, is like. Um, what can you tell us about him? Um, he's definitely not a pleasant person to be around. Um, he's very, very manipulative. Um, he will pull the strings in, on people in different situations just so he can get his way. Um, he can't be trusted. I do feel like he will hurt somebody just to make sure that he doesn't get caught again. He's traveling theoretically with three other inmates because they all broke out together. No one knows if they split up, Brianna, or if they're still together. But if they are still together, what are your thoughts about him and his relationship to these three others? Um, I have no idea how that, I'm assuming they've, they met each other in jail, obviously. I've never seen them before. Um, but I wouldn't put it past him to come up with this plan and working with other people and maybe from the outside to get out. Do you think those, uh, do you think there's any like honor among thieves as the old expression goes? Should, should they trust uh, Joey Fournier? And I mean, you can't tell me vice versa. You don't know the other three, but what should they know about him? Oh, absolutely not. Um, he would definitely backstab them in a heartbeat if it meant it, it would benefit him if he's able to not get caught. Do you think he's capable of, of killing them if it means he can get free? Possibly. I mean, he's done it before. I don't see why he wouldn't do it again. What do you want the public to know um, about Joey, the, the person you saw, the tendencies that you saw, the behavior that you saw? You know, he's out there and he needs, um, he needs things to stay out there, to stay on the lamb. He needs food, he needs water, he needs money, he needs uh, transportation. What do you think he's capable of in terms of making sure he stays free? Um, I, like I was saying, I definitely feel like he's capable of manipulating people maybe getting people to trust him, to help him hide or whatever. Um, he's just really good about doing that and fooling people. And so. what do you think about his brother? The brother was there uh, in the first instance after he had allegedly murdered your mom. The brother hid him. The brother was charged. They dropped those charges. And so he's out there. Uh, do you think that it was the brother that went to the jail that night and was there uh, to, to pick up Joey and the other three? Um, it's definitely a possibility, um, but it's really hard to say. What do you know about that brother, Jeffrey? Do you, did you meet him? Did you know what he was like? No, I've never met him. Um, I didn't know him personally, but from hearing things through my mother at the time, he's not a very good person himself and has had a history of violence. Did your mom ever talk about him in depth? Um, a little bit. There was a, he was really, from what I remember, violent. Um, there was a time where he left a voicemail on my mother's phone threatening uh, Joey, and I don't even know what it was about, but 
Brianna, do you think that Joey Fournier, the man who's accused um, and was about to stand trial, I think starting November 1st, they were due back in court. Do you think that Joey Fournier orchestrated this prison breakout? Do you think he was the leader of these four? There's a very good possibility. Um, I definitely feel like he had a lot to play into it, though. Well, Brianna, for the sake of you and your sisters, I first, I am so sorry for the loss of your mother. I am so sorry that you didn't get this day in court coming up. And I hope and pray that you are going to get your day in court and then some and soon. And I really do hope for the best for your family, Brianna. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Cavalcante was captured on the morning of September 13th, 13 days after scaling those prison walls. And when we come back, a jailbreak and a manhunt through the eyes of a woman who knows all too well what's at stake. Because the man they were hunting was wanted for the murder of her own mother. And finding him was a matter of life and death. Disturbing new details on this manhunt in Pennsylvania soon to enter its eighth day. And in a moment, some amazing pictures, the story behind how he actually broke out after that, like, spidey, you know, shimmy up the wall. He was serving life. Life for murdering his ex-girlfriend, stabbing her 38 times right in front of her two little kids. Let's just keep that in mind about that guy. And this isn't an allegation. He's not accused. He was convicted. He was about to serve life. And he just decided to amscray. So before I show you that surveillance video again of the escape, I have this for you. Just moments ago, we learned exclusively that the investigators who are hunting this guy, Danilo Cavalcante, those investigators now have reason to believe that he is mentally unstable. And because of that, he is all the more dangerous for it. Like, let's be clear, he was dangerous before we learned that, right? He's got life in prison, so he's got nothing to lose, out on the run. Kill with your bare hands to stay out on the run or go back in the Huskow for life. No, now they're saying this mental instability that they've learned about, and I'll tell you where they got it and why they think it's true. Uh, it has added a layer to this, and it has added a, a, a strategy shift in how to get him. So I'm going to talk with a guest who has a lot of these exclusive details in just a second. But right now, Cavalcante is believed to be close to the Pennsylvania-Delaware border. Uh, the marshals say that he's likely hiding out during the day and then doing this. See that? Making his move at night. That's trail cam video. I'm like a hiker's trail. Apparently he got all discombobulated. He was like heading north, then heading south, like he'd sort of forgotten where he was going. But the trail cams are capturing him. They think it's possible he's doing the nighttime travel because A, fewer people, a little more secret, but it's also super hot. I mean, I know wherever you are in the U.S., you're probably going through some heat. But in the Northeast, there is a lot of heat. In Pennsylvania, it is real hot during the day, which means that it is a challenge for him to be moving around in the day or the night. But it's also a challenge for the search teams as well. There's like hundreds of police and FBI and marshals and border patrol, all of these agencies working around the clock. They've even decided to close a couple of school districts because, you know, escaped killer dangerous kids on the road. Now for the escape details. The surveillance images that were released today are just like, are you kidding me? This is the prison yard um, where the killer made the daring break. It happened last Thursday. You can see Cavalcanti there, hands on the wall, feet on the wall, and up I go. Spider-Man. So he got out through that exercise yard, really ingenious, 
hands and feet, up to the roof. Then once he was on the roof, um, he actually made his way across the roof. He's only five feet tall. So that's a pretty narrow little passageway. 120 pounds, maybe that makes it easier. But so he gets up to the roof and he pushes his way through razor wire on the roof, runs across the roof, scales another fence, pushes his way through even more razor wire. Never looked back. Where he got the idea, that, that's another story, isn't it? This inmate that did the exact same thing back in May was not as successful with his attempt because he was caught within five minutes. Turns out the tower guard doing his job, spotted that other inmate for whatever reason. Um, but the tower guard on that day, on Thursday of last week, did not see Cavalcante, did not report Cavalcante, and Cavalcante was out and running. And I, I kind of wonder if there's something to it. So see this guy over here on the lower right-hand side of your screen? One with all the tats. What's he doing? What is he up to? Just take a good look. Because as he's doing this and moving his lips, Cavalcante's making a break for it, and then that guy's out of there. I'm wondering if he's a lookout. I'm wondering if he's watching for that tower guard <laughs> and saying, clear. Because it sure does seem as soon as he comes into view there and says something, Cavalcante's up and out, and that guy's amscrying. I don't know. I'm just observing this and putting a spot shadow on it so you can observe it too. But I'm sure the police are looking into it. So then we've learned this exclusive detail that you need to know about tonight, his purported troubled mental state. It comes from his uh, the victim's family. The victim's family members whom law enforcement um, wasted no time in interviewing. What it means about his troubled mental state is that whoever ends up cornering this guy is cornering not only a desperate killer facing life for stabbing the ex-girlfriend, but very likely an irrational desperate killer. Joining me now is a man who once oversaw the U.S. Marshals who are hunting Cavalcante right now. John Muffler is a former assistant chief deputy U.S. Marshal of the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. He now owns a security consulting company. It is great to have you, John. So your guys are on the ground right now. They are the ones that learned about Cavalcante's um, mental state. Can you walk me from there and how this changes sort of the whole dynamic of the hunt? Yeah, well, again, thanks for having me back on. And uh, you're absolutely right. So it changes the dynamics because they know, obviously, they're starting off knowing that he is desperate. He is an escaped murderer. He's already been convicted. Um, and that murder was quite violent. Um, and so you have that aspect. And now you have the aspect of learning about his mental instability um, which factors into a certain degree of dangerousness or risk uh, that is now exponential. So uh, when confronting someone like that, uh, obviously, you know, you take all of those things into consideration, um, whether they are armed or not. And we don't know if he is armed at this point. They may know and have not released that. Um, but um, that's definitely a consideration when coming across someone of that mental uh, uh, status. So, you know, we're, we're going into day eight tomorrow, and I'm wondering, I don't know your business and how you strategize day to day. I picture a war room between the marshals, the border guard, the FBI, the local law enforcement, sheriffs, you know, deputies, anybody else who might be involved in all of this and how you coordinate. How does it change from day, say, six to day seven to day eight to day 10? Like what 
changes and what do you do differently? Yeah, so uh, Pennsylvania State Police will have command and control and everybody that's there, every agency there has leadership involved and they're communicating uh, facts, uh, information that's coming in that's being shared across uh, the board. Uh, so everybody's on the same page as far as what is known, uh, what are the possibilities and what may be next. So, you know, the information is there and it is being shared, you know, uh, if not, you know, minute by minute, or as it comes in. So we got these, you know, security, um, actually they were just, they were just trail cam surveillance pictures from one of the hiking trails outside of the two mile perimeter of the prison where everybody thought he was. And it made me wonder, like, do you all keep these pictures off the news sometimes so you don't alert him potentially as to what you know about him? Potentially, but I think in this case, um, you know, it doesn't seem like he has a phone or any access to that unless he has stolen something, but still he'd have to have a passcode to get into that. So I think in this circumstance, that's not as, as big as concern. Um, I don't believe from what I understand, nobody from the outside is communicating to him. He is solely on his own, uh, getting himself through these uh, through the woods there, which are vast. Uh, I know the area well. I lived in that area myself for a number of years. So, um, you know, he has a lot of access to uh, open trails, uh, open woods. So, um, you know, those pictures that are being gleaned, as you're showing on the, on the, on the screen right now, um, very likely he's not seeing them in some in some way so i'm assuming and i've only got about 10 seconds left here but i'm assuming that you know your marshals your law enforcement experts are telling everybody keep the doors locked keep hyper vigilant and report any weapons that you may have uh, found missing from your homes absolutely even uh, you know knives obviously is important anything like that being missing or you know even change because uh, they can buy things with uh, small change those petty crimes are important to report because they could lead to him being yeah. able to sustain himself with, you know, purchasing some small items. He got a backpack, he got a duffel bag, and he got a hoodie, and that uh, he got it from somewhere. So, John Muffler, thank you. Waylon, Carson, Hudson, and Bryson, a grandfather, and all of his grandsons. Just take a look at that list and realize what that monster did, wiping out five members of the same family. Hudson Collins and Bryson Collins on the bottom, you'll see they're both 11 years old. They're actually cousins. Um, the others uh, are brothers, Waylon Carson and Hudson. And Mark, of course, was their grandfather. Who knows if they'd have taken that trip had they known that a dangerous killer could be lurking somewhere in those woods near their home. I want to bring in three other people who know a lot about this particular case and how manhunts are supposed to be handled. Melanie and Robert Tieperman um, live just a mile or so from where this happened. Melanie and her son actually witnessed the moment that that escapee got away and they caught it on camera. And Ron Licardi is a retired NYPD police detective and the host of the podcast Crime Time. Welcome to all three of you. Melanie, we talked last night as this was all unfolding and uh, he had not been shot dead yet. So the fear was that he was still out there. And now the story 24 hours later has changed so drastically. I just want to get your reaction to the fact that they were able to find him and kill him. And yet your community has to live with what he did. Yeah, it's, um, it is relief that knowing that 
Um, he is not lurking in the woods anymore, but, um, it's, it's still heartbreaking to know that this, the warning that we got, that he was fully capable of doing this sort of thing and had no value for human life is so accurate that he didn't hesitate to kill innocent kids, um, And it could have been any of us. It could have happened to any of us here. And that's the tragedy. I mean, the Collins family was just, you know, all within this this vicinity. These are are your neighbors, albeit it's a weekend home. But the Collins family from Houston well could have had a phone call from police saying it might not be a good place to visit. We are searching for this inmate, and it is right within the five-mile radius where your weekend home is. Instead, that grandfather brought all four of his grandsons up to that cabin, um, presumably to spend a wonderful weekend with them, maybe even fishing in the lake that's close by. Robert, I can only imagine the not only the sadness, but just the anger and, and the resentment that you all weren't given any warnings. Yeah, you're right. And that's uh, one thing that uh, just not us, but our whole county and community around here is very frustrating when we hear uh, yesterday that there was evidence found in a house near Biden house on Monday. And um, they were sending it off to see if the DNA matched him. And, you know, they could easily let everyone in the area know, hey, be back on high alert because he may be back in the area or he may still be here and no one heard anything. And I know that if the Collins family knew that the house within, I believe a couple thousand feet of theirs had had this happen, they found this evidence from there. There is no way, absolutely no way they would have been up there at this house. That is so inexcusable hearing that. Can you, can you expand on that a little more? Do you know what the evidence was that they found in the other home about a thousand feet away from the Collins family home? Yeah, what we're hearing um, and fairly direct is that in the house they went into that it was broke into. Um, they, they've said that there's money was missing and, um, and actually Stepping back, we had heard that the family is, a, is another weekend home, and they had noticed the electric bill was running high or the, uh, on their meter online where they saw it. So they called uh, the, someone to go in and check everything. And when they did, that's where they had saw that um, it had been broke into, uh, money was missing, and a bucket was in the bathtub. So I guess they may have had the water turned off. And so he was getting water somehow and trying to wash himself with buckets of water. So was there, um, was there anything else? Uh, were, were there any, anything in a garbage can, any remnants of food, anything else that might have been like anything that you could remember uh, what they found in there and especially what they were taking away to test? Food, but um, we also heard that he was spotted on some cameras and camo. So I don't know if the camouflage came from another hunting cabin that he may have broken into or the home that Robert's describing um, where the food and money and he had evidently tried to wash himself in. I, I don't know. Um, this That's not 
something that we gained um, publicly. It wasn't a public announcement. It was through sources of friends of ours that are helping with this. So, um, you know, luckily we kind of knew about it, but it was not something that was publicly known or given. And the camo. I mean, that should have been. Yeah. And and we were told the camo we had, um, the camo clothing, was actually what they call a ghillie suit. And so anyone who hunts or any military person will know what a ghillie suit, and a lot of, we have a ghillie suit here that we will use if we go hunting or deer hunting and stuff or straight out in the woods. But a ghillie suit is a um, camel type suit that's, um, has, it looks uh, hairy. It looks like it's a bush. You know, yeah. you look like you're part of the trees. There's all sorts of things hanging off a ghillie suit. Um, you, you almost look like a moving a moving bush, and, and it's very frightening to think that he would have been in that because there'd been a no way to spot him. He could have been right beside your house, and you wouldn't know. Absolutely. And on Saturday, we had a graduation party for my daughter here because we had 30 people here thinking, "Hey, we're good. Nothing to worry about. He's gone." And when that happened, it just like it was the, the you think of the possibilities, the what if. And, uh, and you know, Ron, not- I want you to jump in on this because what Robert and Melanie are saying is that not only were they exposed to danger night in and night out for the last three weeks, but they brought kids over a party, a graduation party to their home, having absolutely no idea that this dangerous felon, this murderer, this pickaxe killer and family annihilator was lurking still within this five-mile radius that they had said, we're closing down this radius, we're expanding our search elsewhere. Ron, help me process this. Ashley, uh, I I am equally as livid as the Tieperman family is here. As a retired law enforcement professional, the onus was on the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. The corrections officials had the they're, they're with that's the that's part of their job they're supposed to keep the community safe this perpetrator gonzalo lopez uh, out in the public he was you know out for three weeks their responsibility is to notify the residents of leon county centerville hey we have something that's not right we have they had to be clear and transparent with this and because they didn't we have five innocent human beings with lives taken from them. So this is a travesty of justice, and it's a black eye for law enforcement, uh, for the corrections officials across the country, and in Texas, for that matter. Melanie and Robert, last question. Um, okay, so now the critical uh, crisis with that man is, is over. He's dead. He cannot menace anyone else in your community or elsewhere. But I would imagine that you want some answers. Have you been told anything? Will there be a community meeting to let you guys know uh, how this happened or where we go from here? Or at least put your mind to rest about any other fugitives that are out there. Because by my count, there's two other Texas fugitives right now. We, um, I, I, to my knowledge, we have had no news conferences today. I think the sheriff's office posted um, one thing is some stuff this morning on Facebook that he's been caught, deceased, um, kind of in the story. I think we're, I think it's just like that. It's, it's over. It's pretty amazing, though, that if you really measure um, the, what do you call it, the headquarters for the search? Oh, 
Uh, now, the search where the command center no, the was command center. set up once they caught, uh, once he escaped, the command center to the house where he murdered the Collins is 4,000 feet. So Unbelievable. I mean... Unbelievable. And you can only imagine if he was caught on the deer cams or the trail cams uh, in a ghillie suit that it was likely he got that somewhere else because there's very little time uh, between the time that that family was seen alive yesterday morning to the time that, that they were seen dead. And clearly, if there were other houses that had been broken into in the last three weeks, he was going to need something other than the white jumpsuit that, thank you, Melanie, you and your son caught on camera as he was running from the bus into the woods. He would have needed other clothes for those last three weeks. I, I, I share your, your pain, and I am so sorry for your, for your community having gone through this, and I am just devastated for the Collins family. Um, Melanie and Robert Tieperman and Ron Licardi, thank you all for, for being here tonight. Can I add just one more thing before you close? Uh, sure the thing. We are the only civilian witnesses, her and her son, to Gonzalo Lopez escaping from that prison bus. They videotaped him. She saw him with her own two eyes. The Texas Department of Criminal Justice no law enforcement professionals have reached out to Melanie Tieperman to get her statement. Nobody interviewed her. You would think right up front that that is part of Investigation 101. Nobody even asked to speak to her. And they point. saw her. I, they saw her because I heard them on tape when Melanie said, he's over there in the woods. The police answered, yeah, we know. Thanks. We got it. So they knew that Melanie and her son were there. They knew that they, they went right by in the car. They knew you were there. I, that makes absolutely no sense to me. I think there will be more answers, and I hope there will be some answers about how he broke out of that prison bus in the first place with two guards, one in the back, watching all 16 inmates. Um, thank you all three. Appreciate your time tonight. Still ahead tonight, the Alabama lifer and the county jail official who loved him to death. So much so that she helped him escape and went on the run with him. Eleven days later, with police in hot pursuit, she put a gun to her head instead of being caught. The ill-fated romance of Casey White and Vicki White, when we come back. If you're like millions of others and you've been following this since a week ago Friday, you already know my next guest. Uh, his name is Sheriff Rick Singleton of Lauderdale County, Alabama, and he's been giving us the regular updates. Uh, Sheriff, I don't expect that you were going to, uh, you thought you were going to be giving this kind of an update. First and foremost, because you were Vicki White's employer and also friend, because she'd worked at your facility for so long, um, what's your reaction to the news that, um, that she hasn't, uh, she hasn't made it. She, she died just about two hours ago. I think all of us here in the sheriff's office are saddened by that fact. Uh, you know, Vicki White, uh, we're a small department. We have about 107 employees, 48 employees in the detention center. And as assistant director, she knew each and every one of them. Uh, to some of the younger corrections deputies, she was like a mother figure. So, uh, you know, the last week and a half, we've all felt the full range of emotions from, you know, initially very concerned for her safety because we thought she'd been taken against her will. Uh, we quickly learned that she, you know, participated in this. So, you know, I, we were thinking, well, maybe someone got to her and coerced her or threatened her or threatened her family to make her do this because it's just so out of character for her. Uh, and uh, as we realized that she was the mastermind, apparently, behind this whole escape attempt, you know, we became angry. 
Uh, now that we've learned that she's died, even in spite of everything she's done, we wouldn't have wished that on her. And uh, as, as part of our family here at the sheriff's office, uh, you know, I think everyone's sad uh, that it's ended this way. Uh, you know, uh, as, as family, you know, family members, when they do something and make bad choices, we don't like them, but we still love them. And uh, we're right. just very uh, sad for her family. We want to express our condolences to her mother and her family, and we're just so sorry to didn't display. So that was another question I had for you, Sheriff. Who broke the news to Vicki White's mother um, that she had, in fact, not survived this, uh, well, reportedly self-inflicted gunshot wound? Uh, one of our deputies, Matt Burbank, who's one of our investigators, has uh, been friends of the family for years. He's been our liaison throughout this ordeal uh, with her mother and, and family. Uh, when we got news that they'd been captured, uh, we immediately dispatched him to her mother's home, uh, where he informed them that uh, at that time that they had been captured and that she had been injured and was transported to the hospital. Uh, he was with them when we got the news that she had died. Sheriff, do you believe that um, that Vicki White really did shoot herself? It's very, very early to make the pronouncement that it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And a God, I hope no one's going on the word of Casey White when he said, uh, my wife shot herself, it wasn't me. I mean, do you believe she really did that to herself? Or do you think it's possible Casey did it to her to make sure there wasn't another witness? I think it's possible, um, you know, uh, Throughout the last week and a half, you know, in my mind, I've, I've gone through every possible scenario you could think of how this thing might end. Uh, this, is, this is one scenario I anticipated might happen. Knowing uh, the Vicky that we knew, I, you know, I think as much as the charges that she was facing coming back, I think what uh, disturbed her more was the fact of coming back and having to face her family and friends. I think that was just as devastating to her as the charges. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't self-inflicted, but uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, assume that until it's uh, proven by forensics. Sure, by the science. And I have one last question for you. That is that you said earlier in another interview that you do not have a safe facility uh, where you are, that it's an older facility, and that man has to come back, and he has to be in your lockup because he's got other charges there. He's facing a murder trial. So when he does arrive back, uh, at your jail. How will things be different for Casey Cole White when he's locked up? Well, our facility is old and we don't have any single man cells to isolate inmates like Casey White. Uh, we have a crowding issue. We've had a crowding issue for several years. Uh, we've, uh, even as I speak, we have inmates sleeping on the floor. Uh, but uh, I don't care how many inmates have to sleep on the floor. He's going to be in a cell by himself. Uh, he's going to be handcuffed and shackled in that cell. And uh, he'll be uh, handcuffed and shackled when he's brought here by two deputies, according to our policy. Well, I'm going to wish you the best of luck. And hopefully we'll get another interview with you when he does arrive back at your jail. And I hope that there's a perp walk so that we can see this man as he is led right back into the custody that he escaped from. Uh, Sheriff Rick Singleton, thanks so much for being so available to us. We really appreciate it. This past June, Casey White was sentenced to life for the jailbreak the year before. And he apologized to Vicki White's family, saying that he did indeed love her. And that is where we have to leave it. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. Chris Cuomo is coming up next. You can't escape a traffic jam.
Know what else you can't escape? Seasonal allergies. And you might think you can avoid that coffee stain until... Oh, really? You can't escape a lot of things in life. But you can escape prediabetes. Prediabetes captures one in three adults. There are usually no signs of prediabetes. In fact, most people don't even know they have it. But with early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Take action by taking the one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. You might not be able to escape having this song stuck in your head. But you can escape prediabetes. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition. And Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. I need to file my tax return right the first time. How can I be sure to do that? Doing your taxes yourself? Using e-file is the best way to file an accurate tax return. Mistakes can delay your refund, so spend an extra few minutes making sure you can file an accurate return the first time around. Avoid common errors by spelling all names correctly and using correct Social Security numbers. Double-check your bank account numbers for direct deposit and double-check your math, too. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to sign and date your return. In the early hours after the tsunami, it was ham radio that was on the air, saving lives. When Florida was ripped by hurricanes, the hams were there. In the critical moments after the attack of 9-11, it was the hams who coordinated emergency messages. When disasters strike, the hams are ready. Ham radio works when other communications don't. To learn how you can become a ham radio operator, call the ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, at 1-800-326-3942. This is Nick Smith. Get my podcast in the mix at NewsNationNow.com or wherever you get your podcast. Show me that smile. Show me that smile. Different strokes it takes. Different strokes it takes. Different strokes to move the world. Okay, do you sense a theme here? Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to rewindtv.com and check it out. My mom has taken up going to the park to practice yoga. My dad's going to a club, but not a book club, a salsa club. Finding new hobbies comes with age. My mom has started getting lost and not knowing where she's going. Becoming lost or disoriented doesn't. Confusion with time or place may be a sign of Alzheimer's. An early diagnosis can help improve the quality of life for your loved one. Learn the warning signs of Alzheimer's at 10signs.org. Brought to you by the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
Only one in five people with autism are employed, despite many having the skill set and desire to work. Maybe it's because employers don't know what kind of jobs they can do. Like, what about a programmer? That's a job for someone with autism. Uh, how about a healthcare worker? Yep. That is too. People with autism can do a lot of different jobs, but often get overlooked due to outdated stigmas. Introducing Win by Autism Speaks. We help businesses lead the way in inclusive hiring. What about a ranch hand? To learn more, go to autismspeaks.org/win. Children are the greatest joy and our best hope for a better future. Friends, they are the future. But did you know that millions of kids are facing hunger every day? Food is not just food. It's energy, health, confidence, hope, and even love. Yes, love. Thank you. Learn more about how No Kid Hungry is helping end child hunger in America at helpnokidhungry.org. Late today, the House did exactly what you thought they were going to do, okay? Uh, on a party-line vote, they're going to have an impeachment inquiry into President Biden over alleged financial dealings with his son. Now, look, this is deja vu all over again as far as I am concerned, okay? This is a crime in search of... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.